Good morning. Coming in hot. All right. Man, I'm so excited. It's, it's like I even dress Christmassy. Like it's, it's, it's getting here. Kids, any kids in the room? Any guys excited for Christmas? You excited for Christmas? Me too. Me too. Hey, speaking of kids, I got any like fourth or fifth graders? Any fourth or fifth graders in the room? A few of you? Like I see a couple of you. See, I like you guys, you're getting old. You have some life experience about you. You know, you know a thing or two as a fourth or fifth grader. Uh, so question for you, do you remember, like maybe for your birthday or for Christmas, you really wanted a present, right? And then you get that present, and you play with it a lot. Like you really wanted it, you play with it, but a week or two weeks or maybe a month goes by, and then it's, it's not as much fun as you thought it would be. You don't find yourself playing with it as much. You kind of remember that? They're like, yeah, yeah. Everybody remembers that. Like what's happening in that moment? The anticipation did not match the value. That's really what happens to us, right? You overestimated the worth of the thing hoped for. Now listen, fourth and fifth graders, that's going to be a struggle for the rest of your life. And every adult in the room can say amen to that. But Christmas should remind us, I mean, it really should remind us, we have but one hope. That's what you just sang. We have but one hope. There is only one whose value exceeds our anticipation. Just one. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. And as we're here celebrating Advent, man, at TCBC, that means remembering to anticipate. We remember Jesus' first coming. God took human form, born to a virgin in Bethlehem. Fully God, he lived, he grew from a baby to a man. And unlike the descendants of Adam, he was holy perfect, without sin. He made himself known. He fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. He made disciples. And in love and submission to the Father, he gave his life and took our death. And three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering death and completing the redemptive payment for our sin. He appeared to many after that and then ascended and returned to the Father in heaven where he now awaits the Father's command to return, to finish his sanctifying work in the life of the church, to glorify us with a new body, a new nature in his image. And so, this is our hope. We are awaiting this. And so we anticipate his return. We anticipate this second coming. See, Jesus followers, by definition, and when we say Jesus followers, that's just what it means, Christian. It's the meaning of the word. When we as Christians, when we as Jesus followers 
profess faith. By definition, we wait for Jesus' return with anticipation. And not some kind of indifference. Anticipation. A longing. For he is the Christ. And we remember Christmas to anticipate the anointed one. We look back to look forward. Now listen, if you don't look forward, you don't understand Christmas. If you don't look back and see Christmas and it compel you to look forward, you don't understand what happens at Christmas. I mean, let's just keep it real for a minute. Let's just back up and acknowledge a really important thing. We don't like it, but it's true. Christmas isn't a biblical mandate. The celebration of Christmas isn't commanded to us, prescribed to us in Scripture. It's not. It's not there. Now, that doesn't mean celebrating Christmas is wrong, but it isn't commanded. There's nothing about Christmas bulbs or poinsettias or any of that stuff. No Christmas cookies? Not there. And it's important for us to understand this because it is the difference between being culturally religious and biblically faithful. See, think about it this way. If here at Tri-Cities Baptist Church, we decided just quietly this year, we're not going to celebrate Christmas. You know, we could do so and be faithful to the scriptures. But let's say this month we decided just to stop calling you to go make disciples. To stop challenging you to share the good news of Jesus and call your family, your friends to respond in faith. Do you know we could not do that faithfully? Now consider, which of these options do you think would result in more pushback? See, this exposes us. It shows our bent toward our religious ideology, and I am so thankful for Tri-Cities Baptist Church. We too, guys, we too have our bent, our preferences, the things that we like, our styles. We have all of that. But as a church, and I'm saying that about us, the people, as a church, we also have a pursuit of the highest view of Scripture, that God's Word is true, and we try to pursue our priorities accordingly. See, there's no mandate for poinsettias or trees or even nativity scenes. But do you know what is commanded? Anticipating Christ's return. And it's inseparable from our faith. Think about this. There are 300 plus references of Jesus' second coming throughout our New Testament. That's roughly one for every 30 verses in your New Testament. And just keep in mind that of the prophecies that go to Christ, only about one-third of them are fulfilled in his first coming. See, Jesus' followers wait with anticipation 
We love his appearing because Jesus is our prize. He is our treasure. And he is coming again to fulfill our hope. That's our big truth this morning. Jesus followers wait with hope. We prize Jesus as the treasure. And we're going to look at that by circling through two passages this morning. So if you want to follow along in the notes, you can go to tcbchurch.org. They're there. They're through the app. You can follow along. But you're going to kind of need to keep both of these passages because, again, we're not going to be so linear as much as we're just going to keep circling. So it's going to feel a little repetitive. But each time as we circle, I think we'll just get deeper. And it will both be encouraging and challenging this morning as we go through these texts. First, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 12, and Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this. Now this is the goal Paul has stated back in verses 10 and 11. In verse 10, Paul says, To know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible... I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul's stating this goal to know him and the power of his resurrection. Not that I have already obtained this goal, Paul says. Or am already perfect. The fulfillment of Paul's hope is not yet. He's not perfect. He's not there. He has yet to arrive. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. Now listen and note Paul's declaration of faith. I mean, think this through. One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. To what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So notice, Paul is anticipating. He is longing for the fulfillment of what he has attained through faith. This fulfillment of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, this is the goal. This is the end. This is the thing he anticipates. And so Jesus' saving call attained through faith now awaiting the fulfillment of what lies ahead. Paul's articulating this, and so he says in verse 17, so brothers, join in imitating me. Now Paul's just stated that he's not perfect. I mean, he's not saying, hey, do everything like me. That's not what he's saying here in this section. And here, right here in these verses, join in imitating me. The context is this. You too 
Make your goal the fulfillment of Jesus' upward call on your life. You, too, take on this perspective of anticipation. You, too, live with the end in mind. Be an imitator of me in this perspective in which you live now. And then he says, and keep your eyes on those who walk accordingly, or according to the example you have in us. Follow those who live with this perspective, who live today with anticipation of what is to come, of the return of Jesus. Now, just, again, keep it real. Following those who live with the end in mind is a narrow road. That is a narrow road. And our culture gives testimony to this. And so Paul says, for many, many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, many Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Who are these enemies of the gospel? Who are these enemies of the cross? Listen to this description, verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. Notice the description. Notice the tale with their minds set on earthly things. Paul says, follow after me and others who live out this anticipation in Jesus, who forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. And be warned, be warned, many walk as enemies of the cross. They who have their minds set on earthly things, they are not anticipating Jesus' return. Not really. They're not focused on his kingdom. No, they're focused on their own kingdom, their own bellies, the present. And as a result, their end is destruction. You say, man, that, that might, that sounds strong. Enemies of the cross. I mean, if you're like me, I, I mean, I look a lot to the things of this world. Enemies of the cross, that seems strong. I mean, think it through. Here's what we're saying. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, important, but I mean, he's not that important. I've got problems Today, they're tangible. Jesus' death is not super relevant to my needs today. Life in Jesus, man, that's cool, but I've got my own life too. Do you feel the temptation? Do you see what it is to be enemies of the cross? However, the death to self... Life in Jesus, authentic Christian, 
doesn't find their identity in earthly things by the very definition of their saving faith. So Paul goes on, he says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, from heaven, from our home, from our place of citizenship where we belong, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. Notice our anticipation. We await our Savior. Our life is dependent on him. Our soul is dependent on him. He is our hope who will fulfill the salvation of our souls by grace. Our Savior. So Paul says, In verse 1, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. See, anticipation calls for resolve. Whatever this world holds, listen, it isn't worth comparing to what we are anticipating. Whatever this world holds, it's not worth comparing to what we're anticipating. See, anticipation is the present perspective of our redeeming faith. See, by faith, we confess life in Jesus. This is the conceptual meaning of the word hope here. See, it's not, man, I hope Jesus happens. It's not like a wishful thinking. Rather, it is what we sang this morning. Jesus is my rock. He is the rock of our salvation, the foundation of our life. It is a certain hope upon which our lives are lived out. Death to self, life in Jesus, hope. In just a silly sort of way, it's it's the difference of you having a conversation with someone and them going, man, I hope if I ever skydive, man, I really hope my parachute works. That's a wishful thinking hope. It's a different thing to look and see some dude flying through the sky, jumping out of the plane, you know, face all peeled back by the wind, like, woo! And going, that man has set his hope. The Jesus follower has made his decision. He has set his faith. He has set his hope. This is the kind of hope we are speaking of. This is what it means to have authentic faith. My life is in Jesus. And so let's look at another passage so you can see it from Peter's perspective. And you're going to see how similar these things are. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, these two great apostles unpacking this point first peter chapter 1 verse 3 some of you guys will remember this section from when we studied peter not too long ago chapter 1 verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice, we live by faith, born again with a living hope. We hold a certain expectation awaiting his return, a present anticipation with the end in mind. What's the end? Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, the end is the fulfillment of our salvation. Now kept for us, guarded through faith by God's power. And with such a prize awaiting, how shall we respond? Verse 6, in this you rejoice. You rejoice. Though now for a little while If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you seeing it? The inseparable connection between authentic faith and anticipating Jesus' return. They are inseparable. Why? Because our lives, our hope is set on him. So verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice. With joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Again, again, anticipation produces resolve. Whatever this world holds, it's not worth comparing to what we're anticipating at the revelation of Jesus, at his second coming. And so I want to circle back through all this, and again, we're just going to kind of keep circling. I'm going to circle back through this, and I just want to lay out three implications, three big ideas, just unpack it further as we just go back through these texts. First, Jesus is the treasure of his followers. Paul said the goal for the prize of the upward call of God In Christ Jesus. It's in him. See, the Jesus follower dies to self and puts faith in Jesus. He is the goal. He is the prize. Our lives are in him and him alone. And then in 1 Peter, Peter writes and says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through his work, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance kept in heaven for you, for me. So that your faith may result in praise and glory and honor 
when at the revelation of who? Of Jesus. At which time you will obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, the Jesus follower believes at the coming of Christ, I will obtain the fulfillment of the salvation of my soul. Why? Because it is in him. He is our inheritance, our access to the peace and presence that lies ahead as children of God, brothers and sisters of our Savior. So at Christmas, or really any other day, we do not celebrate a memory. We praise the living God. We are not limited to a historical event. We treasure Jesus. Second, Jesus is the love of his followers. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. In other words, you are committed to him. You have set your life on him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible filled with glory we love him we are committed to him we believe in him and we rejoice with joy beyond our words Paul says this back to Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 brothers I do not consider that I've made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We forget what lies behind. Why? Because our commitment, our hope is set, our love is in Jesus, and he is coming again. We press on toward our love. We strain forward. Our home is with him. We are not citizens of this world. We long to experience life in him. We await a savior. See, in faith we are resolved to love him. That is really the understanding and the logic behind our faith. In faith your vows are proclaimed by the power of the spirit. You confess Jesus is the anointed one. He is my one hope, my Savior, and you lay down your life and your love is committed to him. This has always been the response. You go back all the way into Deuteronomy 6 as God is introducing himself to his people. And he says, there is but one God. I'm him. How do you respond? Love the Lord your God with all you've got. You are committed to the one true God. Jesus is our everything. Final big idea, final implication. Jesus is the hope of his followers. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, we await a savior. Think about that. You're awaiting the anointed one who will save you. 
The very proclamation of faith acknowledges our sin, acknowledges our need, acknowledges that we are enemies of God in need of redemption, in need of rescue. He is that Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, He will, that's our hope. We've set our life on it, our soul on it, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Jesus has caused us to be born again into a new life. There is adoption. There is a change of citizenship. There is a new belonging. Which at the present, in this moment, is a living hope. Not a wishful thinking but the truth that my life is set on. It is the justified awaiting to be glorified. It is those who have been declared free, who are born again, who with anticipation long for their Redeemer who is coming soon to take them home. Peter says, though you do not see him, you believe in him, you know he's coming, your life is built on it. And so as we think about Christmas at Tri-Cities Baptist Church, Christmas is about Jesus. And Jesus isn't just a character from the past. He is the living God. He is the great I am. And you can rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. You can forget what lies behind and live in anticipation. Why? Because he is coming again. Let me try to say it one more way. All right? One more way. Why we remember to anticipate. It is because we need to remember to live with the end in mind. And doing so changes everything. It changes everything. It is the love of his appearing, the anticipation of faith that fuels our joy. Not just happiness that's fleeting. Listen, church, that fuels your joy. Listen to what Paul writes a few verses uh, before our section in verses 7 and 8 here in chapter 3. This is what he says. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Now listen. And counted them as rubbish, trash, earthly things counted as trash in order that I may gain Christ then last week as we looked at 2nd Timothy chapter 4 as death is looming for Paul notice the contrast Paul says I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me stored in heaven remember with Christ to be revealed there is stored up for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but all those who have loved his appearing. Trash for crowns. There is a reason we are more anxious and more depressed than ever. We are bombarding our minds with the things of this world. Now, I tell you, even with tears, many, many walk as enemies of the cross with their minds set on earthly things. Their God is their belly and their end is destruction. But in Christ Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven and from it, from our home, from the place where we belong, we await a Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. I mean, step back and just consider it in a very practical level. Consider just faithful action, things like serving or giving or sharing. If your eyes are set on the things of this world, all of that is going to feel self-sacrificing, depleting. But if your eyes are on Jesus... It is self-rewarding. It's joyful. For some of us, the tell is the edifying pursuits in our life that would build us up or build others up. They feel like such a chore. Not living with the end in mind. And oh, how we deceive ourselves. We Say, you know, screen time is what's needed for my self-care. We disguise the 10 hours a week circling around our kids' hobbies as family time. I mean, is family time ever on mission? Like, is it ever that much in the Word? You know, edifying or building up? What end do you have in mind? Is it their sanctification, really? And the challenge of these things. The balance of these things. Do you not get what Paul is saying? Paul is screaming to the Philippians, I lost trash. I've gained crowns. I lost this world. I gained a home in heaven. I lost my life, but I gained my soul. See, some of us mope around as if the best days are behind us. You think, you don't know what I've lost. I don't. But I do know this. It is not worth comparing to what lies ahead. See, we have grandkids that need to see grandparents living in anticipation and not bitterness. We have kids that need to see their parents living in anticipation, not materialism. We have a world that needs to see us living in anticipation, not as enemies of the gospel. Let us not be a people of little faith. Let us remember Jesus' first coming and anticipate his second. I'm going to ask Paul to come up and the team to come up. And as we do, one more time, I want to read these words over you. And then Paul and the team will lead us into a time of response. Church, listen. 
For we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. This is our hope. Live in anticipation of it. I just want to invite you to bow your head where you are this morning and we're going to move into a time of response. And before we sing, I just want to create some space, a few minutes where you're seated just before the Lord to ask, God, what is my next step of obedience? Holy Spirit, how do I need to respond this morning to your word, to your truth? Every time God's word is open, it's proclaimed, it demands response from its hearers, from you and me. What needs to be added in your life that's missing? What needs to be expanded that's, that's growing and needs to keep growing? What needs to be restored in your walk with Jesus that's been neglected? this morning. It's an abiding response. It's, it's a call as Jesus followers to repent. So we've been challenged from God's word. For many of us, our hope, our love, our treasure has been centered on things other than Jesus. This week, today, In God's kindness, his word, his spirit exposes us. Confess, repent, God forgive me, God help me. I've not been living with the end in mind, I've been living with today in mind. I've been living in the regrets of yesterday instead of the hope that's in Christ. some of us, it's a call to obey, a call to pursue, a call to, to run after the Lord in community, in the Word. Maybe you've kind of grown lax in your pursuit of Jesus. It's a time to lean in, grown lax in your pursuit of discipleship with your family, sharing the gospel with your neighbor, your co-worker. It's a time to pursue. Jesus is coming again, so we rejoice. It also creates an urgency in our hearts. We want people to know him, to become like him. What is your next step? For some of us, it's, it's response to give, even to generously say that our, our kingdom, our treasure's not here on earth, it's in heaven. So it's during a time of year where there's so much money being spent on ourselves and others to say, no, we want to give to the advancement of the gospel. some this morning, the response is a gospel response. We have heard the good news. We've been told that Jesus is not just a savior and a story. He is the savior of the world. He is your hope. The one who died on the cross for your sins. Do you know him? Have you been changed by him? Have you died to self and become new in Christ this morning? For some of you, it's to respond to the gospel, to trust in Jesus.
repent of your sin, turn to him. And even in a moment when we sing, you, you can do that in your seat. You can do that by going to the hub. There'll be people who are there. Even this moment, you can respond to Jesus. For some, it's like we heard this morning, it's to respond to baptism. It's obedience to Jesus, a proclamation that he's Savior and Lord. For some, it's to belong to this church family. For some, it's to bring your burdens to other brothers and sisters. Maybe you're walking through some really difficult things in your life and you don't know what to do and you need prayer and you need direction. Come this morning and respond to Jesus. Let God's people serve you with the gospel. Father God, we come now and we bring our lives, our families, our finances, our future, and we give them to you, our hope, our treasure, our love. Holy Spirit, would you help us to not just say or sing the words that you are our hope in life and death, would that be the way that we live because of your work of grace in us? Would you do that now? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.